1: Last time on Voices for Justice, we narrowed our focus on the year leading up to Alyssa's disappearance. We discussed another incident of our father taking Alyssa to the desert and attempting to sexually abuse her. We explored the extra surveillance measures taken to watch Alyssa, and we went over the extreme differences in the way Alyssa and I were treated by our father. And despite things at home only getting worse for Alyssa during this last year, she actually seemed happy and optimistic about her future and turning 18. In this episode, we are going deep into the timeline of May 17, 2001, the day Alyssa seemingly disappeared. Building this timeline was difficult. The police didn't look into Alyssa's disappearance until many years after she was gone. So things like traffic camera footage, school security footage, cell phone tower pings, text message logs, call records from our home phone, and even the school attendance records are all gone now. So to build this timeline, I referenced a few different statements and interviews given by Alyssa's friend Jessica and her boyfriend John, who both saw her that day. And I am, of course, incorporating my own memories of this day, but I will be relying heavily on my first statement taken by police in 2008. However, the core of this timeline really is derived from the phone records the police obtained for both Alyssa's cell phone and our father's cell phone. From these phone records, I will be referencing a lot of calls to unknown numbers. But these aren't just numbers I'm not familiar with or that have been omitted from their reports for privacy purposes. At the bottom of the police report containing these records, the detective writes, quote, Research is being conducted to determine the unknown numbers located on this bill. So, it appears that even the police don't know who some of these numbers belong to. Or at least they didn't as of January 2017, where my records end. Also, a lot of these calls last for just one minute according to the phone record. But it's important to note that this can mean one of two things, that the call was actually answered and lasted less than one minute, or that the call was never answered at all. I also have to state that this is just my best guess at a timeline. No one was interviewed by police until many years after Alyssa was gone, and there are large gaps in time that have never really been explained. But with these phone records, witness statements, our father's statements, and my own memories, I have built the following timeline for the day Alyssa disappeared. May 17th, 2001 is the last day of classes for Paradise Valley High School. Alyssa is dropped off by our father at approximately 7.30 a.m. It is a half day for all students. At 8.35 a.m., our father calls an unknown number. The call lasts for one minute. At approximately 9 a.m., our father drops me off at school. It was the last day of seventh grade, but it wasn't really a normal day. My class would be gone all day on a field trip to a water park so there was very little chance that I would have called my father to pick me up early, like I did most days I went to school. At 9.56 a.m., our father receives a call from an unknown number. The call lasts for nine minutes. Immediately after this call, our father calls Alyssa's cell phone at 10.05 a.m. The call lasts for one minute. And about 20 minutes later, at 10.24 a.m., our father calls Alyssa's cell phone again. The call lasts for one minute. At approximately 11 a.m., our father states that he signed Alyssa out of school early. But before going to the school office to leave with our father, Alyssa's boyfriend John states that she stops by his shop class to say she was being picked up early by our father and that she would see him later. Jessica also states that she saw Alyssa right before she was picked up by our father, and that Alyssa confirmed that she would be at the high school graduation ceremony that night and the party that was planned for afterwards.
2: I remember walking like, towards her, and she was wearing that, like, silver, like, it was, like, it wasn't quite glittery, but it was, like, silver, shiny tank top, and these little black shorts, and I remember the shoes, and I don't remember what the brand is, but I remember the shoes so, so vividly, but. What were the
1: shoes, like, what did they look like?
2: I don't remember the color, but I remember the style. Okay. It was just like the style. It was. There were skate shoes that yeah. were super popular then. and Yeah, I she, think it would have been like Globes or
1: Etnies or something like that, yeah, I think. yeah, Something like
2: that. But she was like, well, I guess I'm leaving. I'll call you when I get home. And I was like, are you still going to try and come to graduation and then come to Jen's house afterwards? And she was like, of course. She's like, that's what John and I are planning on doing. I was like, yes, she's finally gonna come hang out and we can like be wild and crazy because it's graduation. And then we hugged and I said, I love you. She said, I Love you. And she turns and walks away. I go the other way. And looking back, I just I remember feeling like something wasn't right. Like I feel like she she hugged me and told me she loved me, and then just walked to his fucking car and that was it. Yeah. And that's really, really weird to think
1: that I was one of the last people to see her alive. Yeah. I mean, if it was after she popped her head in her boyfriend's shop class and said, see you later, I feel which like, now we know is the party, right? But, I mean, if it was after that, you you probably were I feel were. like it
2: had to have been because the where he was was on the opposite side of the school. So, you know... You know, where you walk past, like where the lockers were, and then you just walk down that to the
1: parking lot. Yeah, to the smaller parking lot where you parked by the office. That's where she was going? I mean, that's what I would assume, as opposed to the big student parking lot. I mean, Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, I don't know. I mean, but I think the kernel in this is that she told you and John both, see you later. Mm -hmm. And that she was expected at a party that night. Mm -hmm. Let's stop here for a second to analyze. Why was our father picking Alyssa up early from school anyway? Well, this is what he told me in 2017. Do really? you know
0: why I picked her up, Sarah? Do you really know why? Why? Because she was breaking up with John. She was seeing Mike. That's what one of the videos of was, her making up with Mike.
1: That's why she popped her head into John's glass. Said, bye, see you later. Before she left?
0: Maybe John's lying, Sarah. Why did she give me the necklace and ask me to break up with the son of a bitch when I told her? Listen, I'll stand there with you. But you need to learn to not be afraid just because he's got a bad temper or his dad threatens to shoot everybody. That's the way my damn brother is. You don't have to put up with his shit. Did you go talk to any of her friends?
1: According to our father, he and Alyssa then go get lunch. He's never been able to recall which restaurant they went to or if they dined in or took it to go. But he states that when they got home, they got into an argument about our father's proposed summer rules. Our father states that the last time he ever saw Alyssa was after this fight at approximately 12 p.m. He said that she was angry and stomped away to her bedroom with her long blonde hair flying behind her. He then leaves to run errands. He's never given much detail about these errands, but at one point he does tell the police that he went to two different shopping malls to look for a camera lens. At 1.09 p.m., our father calls Alyssa's cell phone. The call lasts for seven minutes. At 3.30 p.m., my school was due to return from our field trip. I walked to a nearby friend's house where we proceeded to smoke cigarettes while their father slept. My father states that at the time my class was due to return from our field trip, that the bus was late. He says he went by the school twice to pick me up, but I wasn't there. Between 3.41 and 3.57 p.m., our father makes two phone calls to unknown numbers. Each call lasts for one minute. At 5.01, 5.16, and 5.17 p.m., our father calls our home phone. Each call lasts for one minute. At 5.56 p.m., our father calls an unknown number. The call lasts for one minute. At 6.22 p.m., our father calls another unknown number. The call lasts for seven minutes. Based on the calls placed from our father's cell phone, I think this is when he picks me up from my friend's house. Like I mentioned, we were smoking cigarettes, which was one of the only things I wasn't allowed to do. So as 12-year-olds do, I took every body spray we owned and sprayed myself from head to toe to cover the smell of cigarettes, and I armed myself with a pretty flimsy story about us having a perfume fight. But when I got in my father's truck, he said nothing about the perfume and nothing about the smell of cigarettes, but immediately handed me his cell phone and asked me to call Alyssa stating that she was not answering. He seemed frantic as he always was over Alyssa, but it didn't seem like anything more or anything less. I know without a doubt that I made at least one phone call from our father's cell phone in an attempt to reach Alyssa. And me placing one of the next two calls is the only place that makes sense in the timeline as they are the last calls made to our home in Alyssa's cell phone before my father and I arrive home to find her missing. At six thirty PM a call is placed to our home phone. The call lasts for one minute. At 6.33 p.m., a call is placed to Alyssa's cell phone. The call also lasts for one minute. At 6.35, our father makes a call to an unknown number. The call lasts for two minutes. This is when I believe my father and I get home. I don't remember who entered our home first, if it was locked or unlocked, or if anything was out of place. But I do remember that I entered Alyssa's room first. It was an average-sized bedroom, and her queen bed took up the majority of it. So when you entered her room, there was a small pathway between her dresser on the left and her bed on the right. And what I saw appeared to be the contents of her backpack dumped into this small entry area. And despite our father insisting that the entire room was a mess, I only remember this one small area being in disarray. Alyssa typically kept her room very tidy, so I noticed this right away. It couldn't have been too long, but I can't recall how long I was in her room before I hear her phone buzzing on the dresser and find the following note. Quote, Dad and Sarah When you dropped me off at school today, I decided that I really am going to California. Sarah, you said you didn't want me around. Look, you got it. I'm gone. That's why I saved my money. Dad, I took $300 from you. Alyssa Our father immediately panicked. He implied that she could be in grave danger, and he began calling our brothers and some of her friends trying to locate her. This includes calling Jessica, but honestly, I cannot figure out where it fits in the timeline. What I can determine from Jessica's statement for sure is that she missed a call from either Alyssa or our father after school was let out, and that Jessica called back before she left her house to go to the graduation ceremony at the school that night. I couldn't find a record for what time the 2001 Paradise Valley High School graduation started. But in 2019, it began at 7 p.m., just in time to catch the sunset. So I have to believe that in 2001, graduation would have still been scheduled for around the same time. But here's what Jessica says about those calls. So you remember, you know, Alyssa walking out of the school. When did my dad call you? It had to have been...
2: What time would graduation be? Because I feel like it had to be... 7 or 8, maybe? It had to be shortly before that. My mom was not home yet. And my mom always got home at like 4 or 4.30. Really? Okay. But so I was on the phone with someone, and the call came through, and you see it on the caller ID. And I was just like, it's okay, I can call her back. Yeah. Like like a normal person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then like I've kicked myself so hard about that for so many years because I'm like like would it have made any difference had I answered? Like was it her or was it Michael? Right. And I really, really believe that it was Michael and not her. And then I called back. I think I took a shower and got all ready for graduation. And then called to see what was, like, make sure, you know, to be like, are we meeting up? Where, where, when? Yeah. You know? And then it was him yelling at me that I was, I know Alyssa's with you, so send her home. And I'm like, well, even if she was with me, I'm not sending her home. Like, I, he answered the phone and was like, I know you have Alyssa. I was That's like, do so I? Because if I, I wish I did. Yeah. I wish more than anything I did.
1: Well, I, I'm trying to think of the timeline, right? Because he picks me up from my friend's house at some point that I can't remember because it's been so long. And the police didn't talk to me for years and years and years. Um, so now I'm wondering if you called bef- or if he called you before I got picked up from school or after. Because um, it would be interesting if it was before, obviously, because then it kind of gives him away. Because when obviously he picked me up from my friend's house and we get back and that's when we realize Alyssa's gone. So if you're saying it was before graduation, I mean, that had to have been like five or six Mm o'clock, but you also said it was before your, that he called before your mom got home that was normally at five. Mm -hmm. So gosh, if we, my
2: mom drove the small bus.
1: So it was like when
2: she was done with her route, she came home at the same day because she stuck to the same route.
1: Right. Which makes total sense. But if he called before he even picked me up, like that's huge. That's huge, because according to him, he was out running errands, and then came and picked me up, and then we both discovered at the same time that she was gone. Yeah. Because I just, you know, Alyssa was just honored at the graduation ceremony at Paradise Valley High School this last May, or whatever it was, and I want to say it started at, like, six or seven.
2: It has to be like, the sun going down, because it's
1: way too hot Mm -hmm. in direct sunlight. But if he called you before, that's insane. I want to... I wonder if I can get the phone records. Like, who knows? Well, but...
2: Detective Summer, said that he couldn't find our number. Really? hmm He said that it came through as just, like, lines and lines of numbers. So he had trouble figuring out what was
1: what. Hmm. At 6.43 p.m., our father receives a call from an unknown number. The call lasts for seven minutes. To be fair, this could be argued that this was Jessica calling back. However, from her statements, I would find it very hard to believe that our father was just yelling at her for seven minutes straight without Jessica hanging up. But again, it's possible. At 6.50 p.m., our father calls an unknown cell phone number. The length of the call is not noted. At 7.01 p.m., our father receives a call from an unknown number. The call lasts for 22 minutes. At 7.38 p.m., our father calls our brother Mike. The call lasts for one minute. At 8.10pm, our father calls Alyssa's cell phone. The call lasts for two minutes. This is the last call our father made to Alyssa's cell phone, and I believe it may have been an attempt to dial into Alyssa's voicemail. At 8.14pm, our father again calls our brother Mike. The call lasts for one minute. At 8.27pm, our father receives a phone call from an unknown number. The call lasts for one minute. At 928 at 9:36 p.m there are two more one-minute calls made to unknown numbers placed by our father. And then two calls are made from Alyssa's phone, the only two calls that were dialed from her phone all day. The first call is at 10:15 p.m to an unknown number. The call lasts for two minutes. The second call is made at 10:31 p.m. to our brother Mike. The call lasts for one minute. Obviously, both of these calls were made by either my father or myself. In episode two, I explained that one of my resources for the information presented in this podcast is a large stack of records I received from the police, about 3,000 pages I've estimated. And this is exactly where that stack begins. It all began with our father reporting Alyssa as a runaway. At 10.56 p.m., our father calls the non-emergency police phone number and files a runaway juvenile report with officer Robert Philpot. The report is 3 pages in total and appears to have a preset list of questions for the person taking the report to fill in. It goes over basic information such as Alyssa's height and weight and hair and eye color. And there are some more detailed notes stating that Alyssa has attention deficit disorder and is a known drug user. It also states that she took clothing with her, and the, quote, possible cause for absence is due to a fight with her dad. There's even a destination written into the report, Torrance, California. And the last two questions on the report are, quote, broadcast, to which the officer answers no, and, quote, caution, to which the officer left blank. But after listing out all the answers to these questions, there's a brief summary of the call. It reads, Quote, on May 17, 2001, between 12 p.m. and 5 p.m., Alyssa Turney packed her clothes and left a note for her father that she was leaving to California. Michael Turney called to report his daughter, Alyssa Turney, as a runaway. He said that he last saw her at home on May 17, 2001, at about 12 p.m., and discovered she had left at 5 p.m. He said she left a note that she was going to California, but didn't say where. He said that she does have an aunt that lives somewhere in Torrance, California. When located, Alyssa Turney is to be returned home. While our father was outright panicking at home about Alyssa being in immediate danger, he calls the police and reports that they got into a fight and she probably ran away to her aunt's house in California. He also makes a point to mention that Alyssa is a drug user. There is nothing in this report that would evoke any type of search for Alyssa or raise any concerns. The way in which our father reported Alyssa as a runaway to the police made me wonder, what's the difference between reporting a child as a runaway versus a missing person? Well, according to the Phoenix Police Department's website, quote, running away is not a crime. Because they are juveniles, the child will be entered into a national database. If an officer anywhere in the country runs a check on the child, a hit will come up advising the officer of the runaway status. The officer will then verify the child's identity and the child's parents will be contacted to take custody of their child. The primary responsibility of the Phoenix Police Department's Missing Persons Unit is for missing persons who are truly missing. Yes, there is a difference between a missing person and a runaway. A missing person has an unexplained disappearance, whereas a runaway has a motive to disappear and does not want to be found. The Missing Persons Unit has resources not available to the general public and can tap into many databases to assist the parents. The Phoenix Police Department missing persons investigators are very willing to assist you in finding your child. However, the primary responsibility for locating a runaway falls on the parent or guardian of the child. Finding and recovering a runaway child depends greatly on the active and aggressive participation of the parent slash guardian. Some runaway cases may last months. It is the responsibility of the parent slash guardian to call the investigator and validate that the child is still missing every 30 days. If contact is lost with the parent slash guardian for any significant time, the case may be cleared and dropped. Be sure to call the investigator you are working with to notify them of the child's return. If your child was found and returned by any police agency, please notify the investigator assisting on your case. So, if your child is reported as a runaway in Phoenix, Arizona, The responsibility appears to fall primarily on the parents with very little involvement from the police, unless they happen to run your child's name through their system. But if you report them as missing, the police will actively investigate the disappearance. So reporting Alyssa as a runaway would evoke no search for her. Which is exactly what happened. Nothing. There were no officers at our door to take a report to talk to me or our father. To canvas the neighborhood or to ask for the footage from the many cameras in the home. It was Alyssa's last day of school, so the students weren't notified or encouraged to speak to a counselor about their feelings on the situation. There was no Amber alert, no news coverage, there was nothing. This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by Quince. The weather is getting warmer, which means it's time to put away all the sweaters and pants and say hello to shorts and t shirts. I absolutely was looking to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and I went right back to Quince for that. I personally don't love trendy clothes that I have to replace every few months. I am looking to build my solid core collection of essentials, and with the huge selection at Quince, I can do that. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from 30 bucks, washable silk tops, they have jewelry and so much more. One thing I really love about Quince too, is that they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. And they only use premium fabrics and finishes, so you're not cutting any corners when it comes to quality. I've really been trying to play with pairing casual with more upscale pieces, so recently I just matched a silk skirt with this black tee that I just love and fits really, really well. I think it came together pretty cute. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash justice for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash justice to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash justice. This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by June's Journey. I'm pretty sure everyone here loves a good mystery especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. You get to step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. You engage your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. So what does that mean? Well, June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game. Essentially, you find hidden clues and uncover this mystery. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Another large point of confusion in this story is that what our father reported to the police about Alyssa running away to a known destination is not what he was telling everyone else. In fact, when I spoke with Linda, she told me that our father told her four different stories about Alyssa's last day. It's like when Alyssa
3: disappeared. And the, first of all, he said that her backpack and she had gone to the movies. She had taken and put soda and candy in the backpack, and he had dropped her off at the uh, at the movie theater on Thirty Second Street, and you know, right there besides.
1: Yeah, Bell. Yeah, you're yeah, right there. Right.
3: And he said when he came out to get when the movie was over, he went to get her and she was gone. That was story one. Story two was she had gone to work and when he went to pick her up from work she was gone and supposedly she had left with a guy that used to work there that had tattoos all over him and rode a motorcycle. Hmm. That was story two. Story three was she's living with Lynette in California and the reason that she didn't take any money with her was because we, they wanted to throw her, her off the trail. They wanted to throw him off the trail. And later on, that he was sure they were, they were going to go <clears throat> to the bank and get the rest of her money out. That was three. And then there was another one where he didn't know where she was, but they had a fight and she ran away. But when he took her home and then he said, you know, she walks down the, the hallway, in the ponytail's doing this, you know. Yeah. And she walks away. And when he went to get you and came back, she was gone. Wow. Nothing Mike ever said I ever believed.
1: And the variations of his story don't stop here. While I was going through the records, I made a document just to note which story he told to whom about Alyssa's last day. And by the time I was done, I had a list of 13 different stories he had told to over 30 different people. Here are all 13 reasons our father gave for Alyssa being gone. 1. Alyssa ran away to California, left a note, but he doesn't know what happened. 2. Alyssa ran away to California to be with our Aunt Lynette. 3. Alyssa went to work, left with an ex coworker that had tattoos on a motorcycle, and never came back. 4. Alyssa went to the movies and never came back. 5. Alyssa went to school and never came back. 6. Alyssa left to a friend's house, but never made it. 7. That our father was told by Alyssa's co-worker that she got into a car with an unknown male and left to go to California. 8. Alyssa went to live with her biological father, Stephen Strom, in Sacramento. 9. Alyssa ran away to California with her boyfriend. 10. He doesn't know what happened to Alyssa or where she is. 11. It could have been the school janitor. 12. She was kidnapped. 13. The union did it. But there are six variations... To the Union story. 1. Just a general, it was the Union. 2. Paul Abbott from the Union took Alyssa. Paul is a man who was working at Alyssa's school around the time she disappeared, but he wasn't actually in the Union. Despite this, you will hear our father place a lot of blame on this man. 3. That Paul Abbott and a second unknown Union member male took Alyssa. 4. Paul Abbott took Alyssa, and my father knows where he and Alyssa were staying. 5. Someone in the union told him that Alyssa was in Soritas, California. 6. Two assassins from the union killed Alyssa, causing our father to then have to kill those two assassins. And what does our father tell the police now? Well... Our father has never been formally interviewed by the police, despite their many requests for him to do so. However, in 2008, when the police began heavily investigating this case, they did informally speak with our father on two separate occasions in our home. But his answers are less than detailed. On one occasion, the police ask our father what he remembers from that day, and our father says, quote, Oh, a lot of things and he goes on to state that he went to get Alyssa early from school. Mike also says that there was a, quote, incident that he happened to get on tape. Mike describes this incident as Alyssa and her boyfriend John getting in an argument that ended with, quote, John peeling out of my yard. Mike again mentions that John was calling Alyssa stupid. The conversation then jumped to Mike calling his brother James a sociopath. Mike seemed eager to discuss Alyssa's impairment and her violent relationship, but not the circumstance of her running away from home. On another occasion at our home, the detectives ask him again what he remembers from May 17, 2001. The report reads, Mike began an awkward, almost confused reply, eventually saying that he had left Alyssa at home while he went shopping for camera parts. Mike estimated he last saw Alyssa at home around 1 or noon. He then launched into another issue involving Governor Jane Hole in a lawsuit. The relationship between Alyssa's disappearance was unclear, and the tangent in the conversation was unexplained. Obviously, at this point, we're left with a lot of different conflicting stories about what our father says happened on the day Alyssa disappeared. But, in 2017, I asked him for myself. This recording has never been released to the public. My father and I met at a Starbucks, so that's what you'll hear in the background. We were outside at a small bistro table next to the drive-thru, and the tapping you will hear is him playing with his cup. Since my father has never been formally interviewed by the police, and since he taught me Arizona is a one-party consent state, meaning you can legally record any conversation you are engaged in without the consent or knowledge of the other party, I opened a voice memo on my phone. Set it on the table and let it run. And this is what he had to say to me well, about that last day.
4: On yeah, yeah. I've made it my mind. Yeah.
0: I gotta handle it one step at a time. I've had Social Security and I had her go around, so we got that stuff.
1: Well, so, gotta... what do you think happened the day Alyssa left? What's your series of events? Because you never told me that you took her out of school that day.
0: She didn't want John to bring her home.
1: So, what? So, I can't know. I thought I told you. I don't know
0: if I told you. It seemed insignificant at the time, nope sir. knew. I kept thinking to myself when somebody started questioning it. When I said I can't think of the other time. Did I ever take you out early from school? I'm sure I did. Oh, I'm for sure us to you did. A movie Probably or like the the stupid. one two
1: days a week I went. I'm sure I asked you to take me out early most of the time.
0: It seems like it was another time. I think it was the time we went down to that beautician school. I think, I think it was. I was looking for that. I'm thinking in my mind. I wonder if they had all that paperwork or did we throw it away? Because she had quite a few booklets we gathered that day. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It, it, people make conclusions by what they think. It's obvious the stepfather always molests their daughter. So
1: tell me what happened that last day.
0: Tell you what happened.
1: Like in what,
0: Sarah? What do you want to know that I haven't already told everybody on this planet?
1: I haven't heard it from you because we never talked about it because I never asked because I just assumed.
0: Nothing, Sarah. Alyssa had told me she wanted to break up with John. That's the day or two before that, okay? She said she wanted to leave early because she didn't want to be around him. And I went to go pick her up. I think we went by someplace and got something to eat. Can't remember what it was. We argued over this bullshit because first she wanted to go live with Crystal, then she wanted to live with Katie, and I talked to their mothers about that she wanted to go live with. It. Over that one girl's name, she borrowed $100 from me that I never got back, one that was going to be accused of stealing. <sighs> what else was that? Uh, I had tried to give you guys to James, James didn't want Alyssa, he said he would take you, but not, not Alyssa. James told me the other day that Alyssa called and said that she wanted to come and stay with him. And he said it was okay. There's a shocker. So she just came back. We talked for a period of time, whatever it was. We were arguing. Some of us, she said I was the problem because I was wondering her business. All this other shit about the stuff, uh, whatever it was, and stuff like that. And I just said, screw it, and left. Then I went back, uh, I don't know. I think I went by the school to get you twice. And... Because there was another woman and I got there the same time and the bus was late. And then I went off somewhere else, I don't know where it was, wash my truck or do something, I don't know what it was. Something to keep me busy and then I came back and then you and I came back home. You looking for something different? Just looking. Well. I don't blame you, Sarah. I guess I'd probably feel the same way. When the answers don't come, people need to do something It makes it easier on you.
1: Yeah, because that, that would make it easier on me. That's a logical conclusion. What would make it easier on me than to have a missing sister act as my mother? Oh, that I can think my dad did it. That would make it easier.
0: I don't know, Sarah. I don't have an answer for what you're looking for any more than what James did. James did come out and say, we all, all of us children, individually, independently, come up with the same conclusion. And but,
1: I was the last one to think it. Did you know that? The last one. Well, that's good. Where slowly but surely, they were like, well, maybe Alyssa did tell me this. Maybe Alyssa did tell me that. We didn't want to tell you. You were too young.
0: It's so funny because... The look on Alyssa's face, even that last day, didn't, I don't remember seeing fear in her face, I remember seeing defiance in her face. And in my rationale, just wait one more year, darling, you can get your tattoos, you do your stuff, you can shack up, you whatever you want to do. You can do all the drugs you want to do. And you'll be responsible for it. But you need to get through high school. That's the promise I gave your mom. Can I at least keep that? I've already set up, you're not gonna have to take the Ames test. Okay, you're gonna get your diploma. All you gotta do is just attend the classes, which she was good at. I know. You know what her last class, her last thing she was doing at school that last day? What? Delivering messages. That's what she told me. I think. Yeah, she's no big deal on missing anything anyway. Okay.
1: Well, it's the last day of school. Of course, you're not missing anything.
0: I don't know. All I know is that it was a detailed report written, written about it and given to the first guy. I kept trying, I've been trying to wreck my brain to remember his name. He's the one that was assigned it. A citizen took the original report There was not even a cop sign the thing in spite of my screaming and hollering because I took them aside out of your ear sight. Everybody else has been telling them about my concern about because somebody tried to break in the house before, because somebody had stole our gold kart and stuff off the back porch. Cut a chain in order to get it, not just rip it off because I forgot to chain it up. And all the other, the calls, the hang-ups, the various other things. My paranoia was going wild. And when that happened, sir, I begged and pleaded with the Phoenix P.D. That's why I wrote up, it was a shit, it must have been a 10-page report the first time. Typed it all up, made copies, made sure that it was sent to them. Sent one to the chief police. What the day of? Yeah. No, from the day of a couple of days afterwards.
1: Well before or after she called.
0: Before she called.
1: Why wouldn't you report it as an adult male took my juvenile daughter? You know how to report those things.
0: Because I didn't know it was an adult male. Your sister had done a lot of stupid things, Sarah. <laughs> she might have taken off of one of her friends. I thought she had in the beginning. I chased her around. I got with that one guy's father who was a Green Beret. One girl's father would have wanted one. This the money from him. John later on was living with for a while. Put him in a and we, he and I, went around. He showed me the places where he chased, tried to chase his daughter down because she ran away. And we went to those places like that. He wasn't as nice as I was. I met mean, some kicking kicked doors in at that apartment complex down on Greenway, I think it was, or Thunderbird, whatever I, I thought I was just 15 minutes behind her every time I went looking someplace. There's a lot you think because it's all fluids there, and unless you've been involved in someone running away or someone being kidnapped or someone missing or something like it, you wouldn't fully understand the urgency that I tried to instill in the police i'm saying is that somebody as i told them before had to give her a ride she couldn't get on a bus she couldn't get on a plane and of course your assumption now is and that's exactly what it is an aberration that she never left she
1: didn't the note doesn't make sense she didn't take her money she didn't the take note, her prize possessions. the note doesn't
0: make sense
1: <laughs> doesn't
0: and what's what's the part again you said about the note doesn't make sense
1: when you dropped me off at school today I decided I really am leaving when you had your fight after you picked her up from school yeah why wouldn't it say after our big fight at lunch how do you know
0: she wrote it that day maybe she wrote it the day before was planning on leaving the day before but she didn't leave that day before
1: exactly she wrote it a few days before didn't she
0: I don't know when she wrote it Sarah do you no did she put a date on it? did she get some kind of a verification that was her signature
1: they had it did she even sign it no. Yeah, she did sign it.
0: Oh, did she? Yeah. I don't remember.
1: And they had they had it analyzed, and it's her handwriting.
0: So she writes the note, but because the fact she said that when you dropped me off at school today, and I don't know if I even gave her a ride that morning, did I?
1: And that's why I saved my money, but whoops, I didn't take Cause, it.
0: Because she was writing with... She was going with those other two girls at one time. I think they took her to school that time.
1: She didn't really have any girlfriends from PV. She didn't? Charity didn't go there. Jesse didn't go there. Katie Gee, in Christmas
0: station, maybe you should have took some time to read her yearbook.
1: Yeah, maybe if it wasn't ripped away from me.
0: But then let me That'd ask you cool. this. I want to tell you something right now. The Phoenix P.D. and I have had a really, really, really bad relationship since I was a kid. When I ratted out on them even then. They are to harass Why haven't they indicted me, Sarah? They would indict me for being ugly after dark if they could do it.
1: That's their goal. They're trying to.
0: Good. Maybe this smoking gun will show up, Sarah.
1: There was no search conducted for Alyssa on the night she disappeared. And I verified that our father never went searching with Alyssa's friend's Green Beret father kicking in doors at apartment complexes. The police have never found the 10-page report that our father claims to have written, and the money that Alyssa had been supposedly saving to run away to California remained untouched in her bank account. The last thing I remember from the day Alyssa disappeared is crawling into her queen-size bed, into her forest green cotton sheets, grabbing her fuzzy blues clues blanket, covering myself and falling asleep, just as I did every night that summer, convinced that one day I would wake up to the sweet sound of her yelling at me to get out of her room. Next time on Voices for Justice. He started asking me questions about if I had talked to her, if I had seen her, if she told me anything, if I knew where she was. And you know, my answer was no, I hadn't talked to her. I have no idea. And my mom chimed in and, you know, my mom was friends with all of the people that lived on our block. All of our neighbors were her friends and she would, you know, she offered very rapidly, you know, I can get 10 people together right now. We'll go search for her. We'll we'll start a a search party. We will find her. And he was like, oh no, no, that's not necessary. the cops are, you know, the cops are going to take care of it. I, I called the police and the police are, they're, they're opening up a missing persons report for her. They're going to do it.
4: I his story that she ran away to California. I believe that he got some phone call from California that took place. Supposedly there's some the phone record of. I believed his version that she called them to say that she wasn't coming home. And then probably the last time I talked to him was, well, when. Alyssa ran away when he called and said Alyssa ran away. Mike was the last person that I wanted to talk to and I felt like when, when he was talking to me he was lying through his teeth anyway. so I called him that, and I said, what the fuck is going on? You know, then she told me. I said, he, he never has called me about anything. Why would he call me and get all, telling me all these details about everything, you know, from her, you know, money and the car keys and the note and, you know, all this stuff and her not taking anything with her, you know, and all this stuff. And then later find out that he's told different things to different people. And that's what really is like, you know, it just takes your breath away. It's just like... He flat-told me that we got bigger fist of Bronnie. She's 17 years old. Yeah. Yeah, the things to do.
1: That's what he flat told me. Did he and ask did you he a do, single uh, question about Alyssa? I mean... No, not once. Wow. Not once. And that summer I changed so much and, like, wore all of Alyssa's clothes. I remember you wearing her clothes. I do remember that. I'm wondering, I mean, like,
2: I don't know. You probably can't even pull a memory of how you were processing it. Because, no. like, don't, do you feel like there was some, like, part of you was pissed off at her because you believed
1: that she was alive and she left you? Yeah, absolutely, a thousand percent, because I believe what my dad said, you yeah. know what I mean, that, that she left and that she was just mad about his rules and wanted to start a new life. And I was so mad at her, because mm-hmm. I had this, you know, abandonment complex. You know, my mm-hmm. mom died when I was young, all my brothers moved out, which I felt abandoned by that, and now Alyssa. Yeah. You know what I mean, which is also why I clung to my dad so hard after that. He was literally all I had left.